Thank you, Don. Um, have you ever had an experience with a friend and the two of you end up having a totally different interpretation to that event? Uh, soon after we were married, Cynthia and I went on a weekend camping trip to Point Reyes, which is north of San Francisco. And after a mile walk in to our campsite, we set up camp in a beautiful, windswept, ragged spot overlooking the Pacific Ocean. And uh, after a hike, outdoor dinner, clouds and rain set in. And the sun had not even yet set. And so we retreated into my backpacking tent. So the rain was problem number one. My backpacking tent was problem number two. I assured Cynthia the tent was designed for two people. And she will tell you that is an overgenerous <laughs> estimation. Not to worry, we were newly wed, and it would be cozy if not romantic. It's weird eating dinner and crawling into a tent while it's still light outside, even though it had been raining. And we tried to read books while waiting out the rain, but then the wind picked up. And the storm became fierce. And the water flowed into the tent, and the wind ripped up the stakes of the tent. And uh, we were mostly, uh, well, Cynthia was, was mostly miserable. It's a bad experience. And sometimes you have to cut your losses, right? And so by 9 o'clock that evening, we called it quits. And in the pitch dark, shoved everything wet and muddy into my backpack and then set out to hike back to our car. And the hike completely changed my perspective. The rain still poured and the darkness still surrounded, but now, instead of suffering inside a flapping, leaking, squishy tent, we walk together through a beautiful, rainy landscape. And I remember the walkabout in that rainy darkness as an adventure with my new bride. If Cynthia were to tell the story, as she has many times, she had a totally different interpretation on our early married camping trip. And the reality is, is sometimes you're going to walk in the dark and the rain. Or it's always better if you do it with a friend, right? We've got to walk in the darkness, but this morning we're going to talk about what it means to do that together. And I have a key text. It's from Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. It's a very short text. My hope is that by the time we're done today, you'll have it memorized. You'll know it. But not only that you'll have it memorized, but that you'll kind of understand it deeply. I'm just going to pause and ask, is my microphone on? It is not on. Ruby? Okay. I don't know.
Check, one, two, three, four. Check, check, check. Have you ever had an experience? Wow. So uh, we're talking about burdens. What just happened is a burden. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Carry one another's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. He talks about burdens. We all have burdens. You, you know automatically what a burden is. It's something that's heavy. It's something that when you, when you try to pick it up, it's difficult for you. It can be an injury. It can be something you do to yourself that makes life difficult or the surrounding circumstances. It's something that leads to distress, even emotional distress. And you notice how Paul says, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, the early Christians, when they talked about this idea of following Jesus, they called it the way because it's a journey. It's a walk. And sometimes we're out on a walkabout in the dark and the rain. And so we're invited to do this journey with other people. This is the way that Jesus said it in John 13, 34. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Jesus said that during the Last Supper, having washed the disciples' feet, having told them, this night I'll be betrayed. I'm going to the cross. And one of the last things that Jesus said to the community of, Jesus, of, of, the, of his followers is love one another. This is the new command. Paul Pick that up. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. So the question is, what does it look like for us to carry each other's burdens? In a way that's helpful and not hurtful. That's what we're going to explore this morning. And I'm going to look at a few scripture passages. And then I'm going to invite up my friend, you know him, Chris Iomo. And Chris will come up and he will give us some coaching on actually how do we do what the scripture says with one another. And he's a real gift to us. What does it look like to be helpful to one another and not hurt as we carry their burdens? I went on a backpacking trip. And you'll notice that all my stories today are about the outdoors and camping. And um, so just a word to the wise, don't go camping with me. (laughs) But when you camp on the land of the Havasupai tribe and visit Havasu Falls, absolutely gorgeous, at the bottom of the Grand Canyon, 10-mile hike, you have to pack your trash out. And so my friend and I, Larry, volunteered to carry uh, the big trash bags out after our weekend backpacking trip. And I thought it'd be funny during our rest periods when I was about to hand over the bags to Larry that I would take a few boulders and I would put them inside the trash bag so that now 
they were a real burden. And it was great because Larry never discovered what I had done until he got to the end of that 10-mile hike on the rim of the canyon. Don't be like me when you carry another person's burden because we're supposed to lighten the load of our friends and not make it heavier. And just like that nurse could not take away the reality that Dawn still had to go through that open heart surgery, she lightened his load because she got him. She had a moment with him where she became the answer to Don's prayer, asking for him to show up in a way to give him peace. In the last two weeks, uh, Todd's been telling his story. We have camping and heart stories at the river. (laughs) But there's so many more, as Janie said, in this crowd. And as Todd's been walking us through this idea of, of, of finding God in the darkness, walking with him in the darkness... Um, that, that the darkness is inevitable, and sometimes we discover, Todd told us, that it's God himself that leads us into the dark. He's the one that somehow mysteriously is creating this environment where we look around and we realize that this is a dark season, and that it's in that darkness, Todd helped us understand, that God speaks. He speaks deep truths to us, in the moment when life might feel like it's the most difficult. And if we heard your story, you, you, you probably could recount the story. And it may not have as much clarity and as much conviction as Todd has discovered in his own walkabout in the darkness. Because it is a mystery. But God is there. And he's speaking. And he wants to speak truth deep into your heart. You know, the story of the Bible is highly relational. Jesus has a new command I give you that you love one another. When Paul, he planted churches, and one of the main emphasis in each of those churches that he wanted them to understand that God is a relational God. The family of God is a relational community, and its thread is all the way through the scriptures, which led to Paul saying, now, Carry one another's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Do you want to be a Jesus follower? Then central to that dynamic is going to be that we're, in a helpful way, helping one another carry the burdens. Way in the beginning, Genesis chapter 2, God placed the first human in the garden And then he said, it is not good for the man to be alone. Genesis 2, 18. And in Ecclesiastes 4, there's this beautiful passage. I'm usually sharing this passage with a young couple that is just about to get married, and they're excited. And so I tell them, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. And if either of them falls down... Now, I will say, you will fall down. It's inevitable, right? In life, you will fall down. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. 
Also, and the young couple loves this part. Also, if two lie down together, yeah, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? I would have died if my friend John Woodhall had not have hiked up Kirk Creek Canyon to rescue me because I'd fallen off while backpacking a 70-foot cliff and I'd broken bones everywhere and I was wedged between boulders in a very cold Kirk Creek underneath a 100-foot waterfall and I'd been in that water for six hours and hypothermia was setting in and I knew that my life was slowly being snuffed out and the darkness was closing in. I'm 27, I have my whole life in front of me. And I thought, this is it. I can't hang on. I had fallen. (laughs) And I couldn't get up, let alone walk. And John came up with some other backpacking buddies and they got me out of the water. They put me on a pad at the foot of the cliff. And he put a couple guys in, in down sleeping bags right next to me. And then John did the most amazing, beautiful thing. John, the leader of this backpacking expedition, he slid his body underneath mine. And then put my head right here on his chest. And we stayed there for another 12 hours in the rain but with a tarp and his body creating warmth until a helicopter swooped in and pulled me out. Now, it's obvious when we look at this idea that if you fall and you don't have anyone to pick you up, if you're cold and you don't have someone to make you warm, it's obvious that we have to be close enough to people to where they can actually reach out, offer a hand, and pick us up. We have to be close enough to people that we feel their presence, their warmth next to us. So the Bible is highly relational. And you know that part of this whole journey is just figuring out how do we do this together. Paul wrote in other places, Galatians, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor As yourself. How do we do that without hurting each other? The question is how would you like someone to help you carry your burdens? Then extend that to the person next to you. Romans 15 We who are strong, at least in the moment, ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. In Ephesians, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. The reality is, is that burden bearing is messy. It's complicated. And over and over again, we're going to have to say, I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to do the best I can. 
but I, I need to, to ask you, would you forgive me for what I did, for what I said, for what I failed to do in the moment? It's not easy. It can be hard. There can be tears. There can be do-overs. So we try to figure this whole thing out. In Romans 12, Paul said, love must be sincere. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. I think part of what Paul was saying is there are many moments in this burden-bearing life where we have to remember this interchange is not about me in this moment. It's about me putting my focus on the other person. Paul said in Philippians 2, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, and I'll just add in, to your own interests only, but each of you to the interest of the others. I don't know what your experience has been, but, you know, as a pastor, I get to hear a lot of stories. And I know that there's, there's just a lot of pain. And unfortunately, I know too well as a pastor, too, that sometimes we, 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 we inflict each other with pain. When we look at people's experience, you know, you gather people together, and sometimes groups, they, they get a little strange and wonky. And that's been true of the church often. We're a place that is primarily about hope and about healing and about the, the, the wonderful good news that Jesus has come in with his initiative to bring a change to the situation that we're in, to restore what has been lost. But we get it mixed up, don't we? And sometimes people's experiences, yeah, I don't find the church to be a safe place. And I reflect even on the book of Job, and Job is this wonderful poem about why is there suffering? God, why? Why is this happening? And one of the underlying narratives in the whole book of Job, who went through catastrophic loss of family and his possessions and his wealth, one of those underlying themes is that there were some friends of Job who came. And it's beautiful in the beginning because these friends came and they saw Job suffering. And the the book says that they sat with Job for seven days, completely silent. But his suffering and his problems lasted way longer than seven days. And these three friends got impatient. Here's just a couple places where Job is frustrated with their lecturing, their judging, their assuming of him. My brothers are as undependable as intermittent streams. He says, you are miserable comforters, all of you. Will your long-winded speeches never end? (laughs) 
Isn't that great? (laughs) But Job said, nights of misery have been allotted to me. And this is probably something you've experienced. When I lie down, I think, how long before I get up? The night drags on, and I toss and turn till dawn. And it's in those moments where we need someone that understands us, that gets us. So we got to get better at this. And so it's wonderful to have these scriptures, but I ask the question, carry one another's burdens, and in this way you'll fulfill the law of Christ. Well, how do we do that? It's not a matter of memorizing that and then repeating it, although that's a first step. Carry each other's burdens. Can we get better? So that's why we thought, let's have Chris Iomo come and be our coach for a few minutes. And uh, Chris, uh, come on up. He's a licensed uh, marriage and family therapist. Yeah. And, and Chris is the, he, he's the director and also the supervisor of all the other therapists at, uh, at Journeys Counseling. And um, you can always tell um, the clients of a therapist, though they are strictly confidential, but the eye contact you can always tell. And Chris knows us well. Um, and, and bless you, Chris. So I've asked Chris if he would just come in and be our coach. So I, I want you to pay attention with the scriptures flowing through your mind. How do we do this? Come on up, Chris. Thanks, Bill. And, and Don, it's, it's humbling to be up here with you guys. Um, and we start off with just the interpretations of different things and uh, all these hiking stories and climbing stories and expedition, living outdoors. My interpretation is I'm just not going to do it. Right? I'm going to avoid all those issues. I love the object lesson, but I'm not going to do it. And that's my interpretation. And I'm sticking to it. Um, Truly, I'm humbled to be here. Wow, this is is a lot of work. Um, How's the back of my hair? Uh, Humbled because I know so many of you guys, and you're already amazing at this. So being up here and sharing just a few um, concise, brief points uh, is an honor, and it's also very humbling. Um, But first off, if we're going to be going through... Who do we pick? Who do we, who do we go to? How do we care and carry burdens? Um, let's start with the first one being, how do we choose somebody, right? If we're the one who has the burden, how do we choose? Because not everybody is entitled to this, this honor, this privilege of a spot in your life. Not everybody can handle it. And to be honest, some people are still going through so much of their own that they're only going to add to it. It's going to be the putting a boulder in your backpack situation. Um, so choosing, choosing someone is extremely important. And I think uh, I like to use the way that I integrate quite a bit in work is talking about Jesus as an example of how to live a human life, how to do this life on earth well. And Jesus surrounds himself with 12 very important people. But then in his darkest moment, when the night before he knows what he has to do and he's so terrified, he knows what it's going to be. He's scared. He's fervent. He's going to do it. But he asks for three people. Right? He doesn't say, everybody, come be with me. He says, right, I need you three. I need you three to come sit with me because I don't know what I'm going to do. The night is dark and the morning is coming. And it made me think of your example, Don, just the night before. It's such a scary, lonely place and to have that kind of comfort of people with you. Um, so I think of that, that we have to be careful with who we choose for this. And sometimes we're able to pick that ahead of time and it works really well. Sometimes we have to learn the hard way of probably wasn't the best person to unload what I'm going through on. Right? So we want to be thinking of someone who is safe, someone who's trustworthy, someone we respect, 
and probably someone we can tolerate being around. It's a helpful, helpful uh, <laughs> criteria. Um, so let's go then to what does it actually mean to carry a burden? Because this is a misconception. A lot of times we think like, oh, well, I have to take it on. Like, your problem's going to be my problem. Let me carry it for you. Let me fix it. You know, let me help you like, realize it's really not that big of a deal. But so our job to carry a burden, sometimes it's as simple as this family doesn't have clothes. So let's get some clothes together and take care of them. Let's carry the burden that way. Or we can write a check and help them cover their rent. But for the most part, and I think for what we're talking about very, uh, very much today, to carry someone's burden does not mean to fix it, to own it, and especially not to remove it, right? Because removing it sometimes just minimizes the pain you're in and maximizes the loneliness you have, right? They don't get it. They said, like, yeah, yeah, I know you've been through it too, but, yeah, you know, you, don't, you obviously don't understand, right? So to carry does not mean to remove. It does not mean to take it on as your burden. It means to come alongside. And one of the most important things would be presence, just the fact of having someone there with you, right? Someone to sit alongside of you, someone to just be there literally or metaphorically holding your hand, giving you a hug, right? And one of the, the hardest parts of these dark moments is the isolation. And I think if the enemy has one key tool, it's isolation, right? Isolation and shame, and they feed each other. So just your presence is going to eliminate that isolation. It's the antidote to the shame of, I'm all alone, I'm the only one, if anybody knew, so just your presence. And next, another key piece is just empathy. And this one's often confused with sympathy. But the best way to describe empathy is, I may not have ever had open-heart surgery, and I definitely have never fallen and hiked on a cliff, right? But to try and imagine yourself in that place of, gosh, what would it be like to be laying in a cold stream, like, and thinking of, is there anything in my life I can pull together that has a feeling of that? And all of a sudden, you're experiencing that emotion, Right, which is the dangerous part. That's why empathy is so hard, because you actually have to start to experience what someone's going through. Mm. And that's how you can share. And then it's, wow, how scary, how lonely. Sometimes it's just easy, how hard, right? The simplest answers are the most powerful ones in these moments. It's not this complex anal- analyst uh, or analysis of what's going on, and, ah, I think it has to do with your mom. You know, it's, Wow. <laughs> This is really hard. The mom thing does come in occasionally, but, but empathy, just, gosh, I'm so happy I could be here with you. How scary, how lonely. And the fear is that, well, that's just going to make it worse. They don't know it's lonely until I tell them it's lonely, and now it's going to be even worse. But the reality is they know it's lonely. They might not be able to verbalize it, mm. but knowing that you know it's lonely mm-hmm. eliminates that. And then the just holding holding someone as they face their own reality, right? A lot of these things we can't take away, <clears throat> and that's the problem. We try and take it away. You have a reality to face, and hopefully you have someone who can just sit with you as you face your reality. So with that, then we move to just kind of a couple how-to. Like, okay, so now we have an idea of what that is, but what are some, some applicable uh, pointers, right? And one of them, starting off with, we need to reflect, not remove. It's kind of back to that first point. Right? Just reflecting what they're going through. Our job is to communicate to them that you're not alone, that you're understood. And a key piece of this is not, I understand, it's they need to feel understood. Right? And that's a big difference. And I think anyone who's been with someone who you feel understood with versus someone who just understands, right? it's a very, very big difference to, do they feel understood by you? Uh, no silver linings. Like This is a big, big one. 
if what's about to come out of your mouth, mouth starts with at least, stop. <laughs> well, you know, at least you have insurance and doctors. Well, at least you had friends. It's like, this is a move from us because we're feeling overwhelmed because we're starting to absorb those feelings. And then we want to we want to get rid of it. Right. Part of it might be because we care about them. Part of it might be because I don't like how I'm feeling thinking about what you're going through. So we try and remove it with silver linings. Those can come in later. We can reflect on those later. But the way our brain works, we're not going to hear anything until we feel understood and reflected. So hold on to those at least and silver linings till we're through. Again, we want to communicate you are not alone. Even if you're doing it just that explicitly. Gosh, you're not alone. I'm glad I'm here with you. Convey understanding. Right? That's back to reflecting it to them, letting them know that you hear them, and to the point where they feel heard. And you might be going through the same thing over and over. And that's a common thing. Like, I feel like I'm just repeating myself. Yeah, you are. Because it's pretty important. Because mm-hmm. it's pretty scary. And then another practical point is sometimes we can just ask, you know, how can I pray for you? Is there anything I can do? But again, that comes after we've already spent time just sitting with them in this moment, not trying to eliminate it, not trying to get rid of the anxiety or my peripheral anxiety, but to the point of, I'm here with you. You feel like I'm here with you. Can I pray with you? Right? Like the nurse before the day, before your surgery. Um, And one last point, when we're involved in this, because we have so many caring people, so many people that want to walk alongside of of others, an important thing to remember is that you're not going to be able to take someone farther down a road than you have gone. So a lot of times we have things in our own world. We're going through our own troubles or our own pains, and we can still care for someone, but we need to remember, I'm not going to be able to get you much farther than I am right now. Right? So if that's a, a marker to those of us who want to care and reach out, that maybe we need to spend some time being healed ourselves first. Right? We need to be healed uh, or wounded healers who are also seeking our own repair and uh, rest- restoration. Um, well, those are the points I got, Bill, and I'm told that you're going to come up and put them all together for me now. So, <laughs> thank you, Chris. Thank you. Ah, thank you, Chris. That's so good. You know, what I was really afraid is Chris was going to come up and contradict what I said, or maybe correct what I said. You know, so uh, Chris, thank you so much, and 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 he he lives this out uh, as a friend to so many. And, you know, I think about uh, the River Church. We're a community, and, and we stand up for a, a little connecting. You know, we meet each other, and we're in grounded groups together, and, and uh, we kind of learn each other's names, and, and, and we look across, and we go, yeah, I don't know everyone here. Th- th- that's okay. You know, the idea of community for a gathering like this is not everyone in the community is the right person to carry our burdens, But there's a flip side to that. Do you have at least one person? And Paul's vision is that none of us would have to live life alone, that we wouldn't have to experience the weight of these burdens on our own. And what Chris has helped us to see is one of the most important things we can do as a church family is to show up for one another, is to be present is just find that way to make a connection. A connection that says, I care, and I'm seeking to understand. And in this way, you will fulfill 
the law of Christ. You know, in some of our more difficult times, we had a friend send us a quote from Oswald Chambers. He said, we are uncertain of the next step, but we are certain of God. Leave the whole thing to him. It is gloriously uncertain how he will come in, but he will come. Remain loyal to him. I love that idea. It's gloriously uncertain. Friends, we live with a lot of uncertainty, but we know that God remains, that God will come. So as we go to the table, if you can do nothing else but to say, I'll go with friends to the table and I'll take the bread, which is this demonstration that Jesus faced his own darkness and said, I'll do it for them. And take that bread and dip it in the cup, the juice, which which represents the fact that Jesus said, I'm going to give my life. I'll take all of that burden, all of those evils. I will take it to the point of shedding my blood so that we might have a new way forward, a way forward that is carrying one another's burdens. We don't always get it right. That's why we go to the table. We say, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Let's do it again. So, When you're ready, please, as Jasmine and the worship team lead us in worship, in humility, let's go to the table with one another.